Hey, welcome to uh, this series by faith. That's such an exciting topic to look at. And um, Pastor Sam just felt, you know, this has been a crazy year. And if if our lives were based on uh, what we see around us, what we're experiencing, you know, COVID, the American elections, our elections, Britain, we could easily just kind of get overwhelmed, get scared, get afraid. And so now more than ever, it's important that we live by faith. And I don't know what you understand that. It doesn't mean kind of wishful thinking. It doesn't mean try and uh, keep a positive outlook. Uh, Hebrews 11 has a famous definition of faith. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is anchoring our life to certain facts about God. And there's a famous kind of picture that represents how this works, like a train, that, that faith hitches hitches our life to the facts of God, the fact of who he is, the fact of what he said he's going to do, the fact of his promises. And then our feelings kind of get caught up with that, but it's driven by the fact of God. And so to live by faith is to choose not to, not to align my life with what my feelings might tell me about what's happening now, but to align my life, to hitch my life to the fact of who God is, His reality, His goodness, His love, His grace, His purpose, His providence, His sovereignty. And it's like, uh, it's, it's so obvious now more than ever, there's a call to live um, by faith. And so faith is the confidence in what we hope for, the assurance of what we do not see. Faith chooses to hitch our lives to the invisible and the future dimension of God. God is real and God has promised certain things. And that is what my life is based on. Uh, we sometimes may think that, well, in the Old Testament, it was about kind of law and duty and, and obedience. And the New Testament is about faith. But Hebrews 11 goes on straight away to say, no, this faith, this is what the ancients were, were commended for. This is what God has always sought. People who would hitch their lives to Him, His character, His word, and His promises. In fact, Hebrews 11 goes on then to say, without faith, it's impossible to please God. God is always looking for people who will choose not to be led by their feelings generated by their current circumstances, but would choose to connect their faith with the promises of God and the character of God. Um, and, and I think we don't realize how important this is to God. First Peter talks about this. Those, these have come, trials, he's talking, so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which is perishes even though refined by fire. It's like this... 2020 is precisely the year where my faith is going to be refined, where everything in my feelings tells me uh, that the world is chaotic, that the world is out of control, uh, that I should be scared or worried. But my faith is purified to go, no, no, I, I hitch my life to the fact of God. I hitch my life to the promises of God. I choose to live by faith not by my feelings and not by my sight. In fact, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. Yes, the greatest of these is love, but faith is one of the big three. And so 2020 is a great year to go, my faith muscle is being stretched. I'm gonna learn how to live by faith when in fact, everything in my circumstances, everything my senses are telling me, I shouldn't be feeling good about this year, but by faith, I believe in God. Uh, if you know the chapter, chapter Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, they go through all these examples of people who, who 
despite their circumstances, what their circumstances were telling them, what they were seeing, what they were hearing, what they should have felt, they chose to live by faith. They chose to hitch their life to the reality of God. And so one of the most famous ones, uh, verse 8 and 9, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. His circumstances tell him, no, this is my home. This is where I belong. But by faith, he says, no, God has promised me an inheritance. God has promised me a future. And even, even when I don't know where that is, I choose to hitch my life to his promises. Goes on to say, verse 9, you know, it's a crazy picture. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents. He's like, he, he's sitting in this tent as a stranger, as a foreigner in a land. Everything in his circumstances, everything in his feelings must have been telling him, you have made the biggest mistake of your life. You have left everything for this. But by faith, he said, no, no, I'm not going to base my life on what I see and what I feel and what my current reality is telling me, I base my life on the faith in God's promise that He told me He was going to give me this land. I choose to live by faith. I choose to connect my life with the invisible reality of God and the future reality of His promises. Uh, it goes on to talk about, if you know the story, they didn't even have a kid, so they promised a land that they're going to possess as a nation. They're a childless elderly couple living in a tent. And yet they choose to connect their life by faith to the promises of God. So uh, verse 11 and 12, by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children. Her circumstances, her feelings said this is impossible. But notice what it said. She considered him faithful who had made the promise. Who, she chose to hitch her life to the fact of the goodness of God, to the fact of his faithfulness and to the promise that he made that she would bear children. And so it goes on to say from this one man and he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, as countless as the sand on the seashore. That's actually quoting promises. Genesis 15, God took Abraham outside. Childless elderly man says, look at the sky, count the stars, so shall your offspring be. God, Abraham could have either looked at his circumstances and his feelings could have gone, this is hopeless, or he could have chosen to hitch his life to the fact of God's promise. And if you notice verse 6, it just says, Abraham believed him. He expressed faith in God and faith in God's promises. And God said, that's what righteous living looks like. What God is looking for is people who live by faith, who choose to hitch their life, not to feelings about their current circumstances, but choose to hitch their life to the engine of the character of God and the promises of God. Um, those those uh, promises also came in Genesis 22 when it, it was the, both the stars and the sand. And so, and so Sarah's whole destiny rode on the fact that she chose to hitch her life not to the current circumstances, not to her feelings, but chose to hitch her life that God is real, God is faithful, and God has promised certain things. And I'm going to base my life on that not my feelings. And if so, if you know chapter 11, it goes on by the end recounting lots of different people and their, their experience of living by faith. Their experience when their circumstances said, this is impossible. No, I choose to live by faith in God and his word. And, and the conclusion, you know, the writer just, what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David, Samuel and the prophets. Everyone in the Old Testament lived by faith. 
And, and he says the kind of things that happen, verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. It's like, oh my goodness, these are incredible testimonies of what it means to live by faith, to choose not to hitch my life to what my circumstances tell me, what I see, what I hear, what I feel about my current circumstances, but to choose to hitch my life by faith to God and trust that my feelings will catch up with my faith and that my circumstances will catch up with my feelings. And so when you read an account like that, it's like, man, I want to live by faith. I want those kind of exploits to happen. I want to see my world shift because I'm a person who lives by faith. But this morning, I want to kind of back up the truck a bit and go, before we think about exploits out there in the world, you know, I'm believing that God's going to change my family or he's going to change my school or he's going to change my city or the nation. I, I, the whole foundation of faith in the Bible is, is backing up and go, is this, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And I want to talk this morning or today about taking hold of salvation by faith. And I think before we can think about living by faith in the external world, we need to grasp what it means to live by faith in terms of the, in terms of the internal world of taking hold of God's salvation. And uh, this is a theme that happens over and over in Scripture. Hebrews 10.39, we don't belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. The primary expression of living by faith is taking hold of the fact of salvation. Romans 10.10, 10, it's with your heart you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I think at this unique moment in history, as we, as we wrestle with a, a world that looks in chaos, the challenge is to stretch my faith muscle around laying hold of what salvation means. And, and that even when my circumstances, my feelings don't, don't line up with this, I'm not going to hitch my life to my feelings. I'm going to hitch my life to what God's Word says about salvation. And I want to look at a passage that... Um, to be honest, I've never really looked at it before. It's, it's in Ephesians chapter 5. It's kind of a segue passage as Paul moves on to some more famous passages. But uh, Pastor Sam Monk uh, mentioned this uh, a few weeks ago when he was looking at um, our, our miracle offering. And, and when, he, when he read through this, I thought, man, there's some incredible statements of fact in here that I need to hitch my faith to to see it outworked in salvation. So let me just read this through and then we'll unpack it a bit. So Ephesians 5, 8 to 13. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Now, I don't know what stuck out for you about that passage, but there's some incredible statements about the facts of salvation in there 
that I need to I need to hitch my faith to and see my feelings catch up with it and then see my experience catch up with it. And I don't know whether I particularly noticed this when Pastor Sam talked about it because at Equippers College, I've been teaching a course about Christian beliefs and, and we've been teaching just then about uh, what we believe about salvation. And often in theology beliefs and particularly about salvation, we say it's often a bit like a three-wire bridge that Christian truth involves holding in tension two or three different truths. You know, Jesus is fully divine. He's fully human. He's one person. God is one God in three persons eternally. And and this is particularly true about what we believe about salvation. It's like a three-wire bridge. I have been saved. I am being saved. And I will be saved. This is all biblical language. Ephesians 2.8. For by grace, you have been saved. It's a done deal. It's a completed fact. And it's like, man, I, by faith, I need to take hold of that. But then 1 Corinthians 1.18 talks about the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved. Oh, I have been saved, but also I am being saved. And then Hebrews 9.28, looking forward to Jesus's return, says this. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. So this is future, not to deal with sin, but to save. So you go, so I have been saved. My faith needs to grab hold of that. I am in a process of being saved. My faith needs to connect with that. And I one day I will be completely saved and my faith needs to connect with that. It's like this three-wire bridge. And, and if we're going to be people who live by faith, if we're people of faith, I, I just want to suggest before we think about taking cities and nations for God, we, we think about taking hold of these truths in our lives. And it's a bit like David. He's like, yeah, I can take down the giant because I've beaten the lion and the bear. And it's like, if you can take hold of these truths and see the victory in your own life, living by faith in these areas, that's going to inspire you. That's going to stretch this faith muscle to believe for faith in a whole lot of other areas. Some people say it like this. I have been saved. The penalty of sin has been dealt with. I am being saved. The power of sin is being broken in my life. I will be saved. One day the presence of sin will be removed in my life. Which one is true? They're all true. And and my faith needs to connect with all of them. There's some big words used in theology. I have been saved. I'm justified. I'm right with God. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creation. I'm, I'm born again. I am being saved. Sanctification. I'm in a process of being transformed to be made holy. And I will be saved. Incredible word for that glorification. One day your life is going to be glorified like Jesus. Maybe if you're a visual person, um, a picture might help. Some people think in terms of we have a spirit and a soul and a body. Well, I have been saved. That moment that you pray that prayer, your spirit is born again. Salvation touches your spirit. And then there's a process of transformation. I am being saved. What's inside of me is working out into areas of my life. And one day when Jesus comes back again, the transformation is going to be complete and it's spirit, soul and body. So, so it's all of these things. I have been saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. And we need our faith to connect with that. And, and, and it's like this three wire bridge. I need to hold on to all three of those if I'm going to move forward. So let's have a look at this passage and see what are the truths about salvation? What are the facts about salvation that you are invited to take hold of by faith? Here's the start. It's a pretty, pretty powerful sentence. 
For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. It's not like, well, I was kind of okay and then I thought I might try this thing. It's not even like, well, I was a bit lost in the dark and then I found my way. It's not even, there was a bit of dark and he's like, no, you were darkness. It's like, man, that's pretty, pretty heavy. But, but he's setting you up for the contrast. And this is the contrast. But now you are light in the Lord. I love the fact that in Christianity, there's a but. There's a but now about the verdict of your life. There's a but now about your future. There's a but now about your possibilities. There's a but now about your potential. Why? Because God has stepped in. And, and uh, uh, Paul talks about this a few chapters. Why is there a but now? Because there's a but God. Whatever you were, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love. Because, because but God, there's now a but now. And even Peter talks about this. You know, uh, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special position that you may declare the praises of him. This, who called you out of that darkness he talked about into his light. And what's the but now? Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. There's some incredible statements about the fact of what happens when you get saved. And, and I want you to, for me, this is one of the most stunning verses, I think, in the Bible. For you were once darkness, but now what? You are light. Really? You are light? It's like, you can't be talking about me. I know what's going on up here. I know the dark thoughts. I know what's in here. I know the dark feelings and agendas. No, the reality, the fact of salvation, you are light. It's like, and, and I need to hitch my faith to that reality, not to my feelings, not to what my vision tells me, not what my hearing tells me, not what my circumstance. The word of God says in salvation, the but now is you are light. There is light in the side of you. If you've been given your life to Jesus, if you look deep down inside of you, you will find the light of God in there. You know, there's, the Bible uses different images for this. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, and His great mercy has given us new birth. Something new got born inside of you. There is a new life in there that got born when you gave your life to Jesus. Peter talks about you've been born again, not of perishable seed, of imperishable. God has planted something new inside of you. That's the fact that your faith needs to hitch to, not your feelings about, oh, you don't understand my struggles, you don't understand my failure. No, the but now, the fact is you are born again, you are light. In this, you, need to, you need to get hold of the fact, the Word of God says you are light. Uh, you know, Jesus talked about this. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born again. It confused the religious leaders. Like, I thought this was all about just imp what improvement. How? What are you talking about born again? He's like, no, you must be born again. He's like, this is not a self-improvement program. This is a radical intervention, a but now moment in God when he just doesn't start a journey of you becoming like something. He changes you in an instant. You become the light of God on the inside of who you are. It almost sounds heresy, but it's a word of God. You are light. Uh, Paul talks about this, about, you know, the God of the age is blinded back to the metaphor of light. They cannot see the light of the gospel. The light of Christ comes to us in the light of the gospel. And when we receive Jesus as Lord, verse six, reference back to Genesis, God who said, let light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in your heart. 
at that moment when something inside of you may say, man, I don't understand all of this, but something's here and I want to give my life to this. God spoke a word and he commanded light to be formed in your being. The light of God, the light of his truth, the light of new life, the light of eternal life. And it's like, I need to, I need to hitch my faith to the fact of what God said happened. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Man, isn't that radical? You are light. And, uh, and, and then if you go on from that, then he says this, now live as children of light. There's, that, there's those two wires. It's like, you are light, now live as that. That's like, okay, I have been saved. I need to hitch my faith to that. But now I'm in a process of being saved. I need to live that out. And, and, and there's not only a, a, a duality, there's an order to it. I'm not trying to live a certain way to become something because I am something, because God made me something. I need to live that out. I need to live as the person of light that God says I am. And so I need to hitch my faith to that reality. I'm now in a faith journey of living out who God says I was. You know, I love the fact that it uses the image of children, which again, uh, Jesus or John talks about in his gospel. To those who believed him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Listen, my kids don't try and grow up to become my children. The DNA is in every cell of their being. They're growing up expressing the DNA that's in them. The moment that you give your life to Jesus, you are given a new being. You are light. Now the call is to live that out. You know, and, and, and so this is that if the first strand is I need to hitch my faith to the fact that I have been saved. The second strand is I need to hitch my faith to the fact that I am in a process of now seeing that being outworked. And Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians. You know, the Lord is the spirit where the spirit of the Lord is. There's freedom. I'm going to be experiencing more and more freedom. Why? Because and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed. Okay, I have been changed, but now I'm outworking that and I'm being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory. I'm on a journey. I'm on a process not to become, not to attain something, but to live out what God says I already am. And it's like, I think this just needs to change our mindset. Hitch your faith. Be a, be a person of faith. No, no, I am born again. No, God has changed me. And now I hitch my faith that he is going to outwork this in increasing ways every day. You know, uh, Paul talks about this again in, in Romans 12. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. It's like, no, just don't settle that, oh, well, God did something. Hitch your faith to things are going to shift. Things are going to change. I'm not going to be the same person at the end of this year than I was at the start because I've hitched my faith not only to a past event of salvation, but I've hitched my faith to a current process of salvation that I'm being transformed. And so Paul in another place, he kind of sums this up. He says this, continue to work out your salvation or flip the words around, continue to outwork it. You are saved, now outwork it. That part of your life, you, you, you know, you say, well, you said that I was light. Yeah, well, that part of your life, which is not, which isn't light, which is chaos, which is brokenness. Now let the light move into those areas. Let the light begin to take into that. The Passion Translation says, make this new life fully manifested. Oh, that's the true part. Yeah, there are parts of my life which don't manifest that yet. But I'm, I'm on a process. I've hitched my faith 
to a process of salvation. Now go back to the Old Testament, this metaphor um, when they were going into the promised land and God just said, I'm going to give you all of this land and I'm, and I'm going to overthrow the enemies. I'm going to drive them all out. But then in verse 30, he just says, little by little, I will drive them out until you have increased enough. And it's like, oh, OK, God, so let me so let me get this. I have been saved. I am now light in the core of my being. But little by little, the light is spreading into areas of my life. Little by little, I'm being transformed. Little by little, I'm taking possession of what you called me to do. And God, just as I want to align my faith with the fact that I have been saved, I want to align my faith with the process that I am currently being saved. I want that area to grow more and more. I want to experience the salvation. So those feelings are true, but, but they're not a denial of the fact. They're just in a, a realization there's more yet. Yeah, that area of insecurity, that area of shame, that area of brokenness. God, I want to see that process increase. I want to see more and more of my life come into the experience of salvation. Peter talks about this like this. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him, you believe in him. You are filled with the inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. What? The salvation of your souls. What does the salvation of your soul looks like? More love, more faith, more joy, more peace. Oh, if there's areas in my life that I'm not experiencing that, I want to I know more of that. I want to experience not just salvation in my spirit. I want to experience salvation in my soul, God. And so the great prayer of Paul, may God himself, the God of peace, that means wholeness, sanctify you. May, may his wholeness touch every part of your life. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless. May you, may you latch hold, may your faith grab hold of everything that God has, not just what in the past he's done, but what now he wants to work in your life. May you move that forward. May you experience more by faith. May you take hold of more of this process. Um, in this passage, interesting, he uses another metaphor, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness. Interesting, another image, you know, born again, light, um, but here the concept of fruit. Uh, I remember a few years ago, we did a message about um, uh, abide, and I remember pa Pastor Mark Stevenson, this image of like an apple tree, and the apple tree kind of and then pop, apple comes out. It's like, no, no, that's, we don't force fruit. Fruit is, is the natural emergence of the seed that grows and finds expression. And it's like, man, this gospel, this salvation that I have experienced is now finding fruit in my life. And what does the fruit look like? It looks like goodness. It looks like righteousness. It looks like truth. Wherever God's salvation is outworked in your life, things are going to go, be good. Things are just going to have right relationships. There's just going to be truth and wholeness there. And it's like, man, I want more of that fruit in my life. Galatians, Paul talks about that whole thing, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. It's like, man, I want to see more fruit of the salvation. Like, I am saved. Something new has started. But I want to see the fruit of that. But I'm not trying to clean my life up to get saved. I'm trying to live out by faith the salvation that I have received. And I'm trying to see the fruit of that. Because the more of that, the more I'm going to know of God's goodness and peace. Interesting, he then goes on to not only the fruit, but you would find out what pleases the Lord. Isn't that cool? The whole frame of this is God is a being of perfect love and joy and peace. 
and I've been transformed into his light. And, and his pleasure is for me to enjoy that. And it's like, I just need a, those areas that he, he's like, no, that's not what I've got for you. That will just bring brokenness. That will bring destruction. No, live out what I've done in you. Find the fruit of what I've planted in you. Outwork the salvation that I've put in you. Be the child of God that I've made you. Live the new life that, I, that, I, that you were born again for. And, and then, you know, again, the Romans 12 passages will finish with us about transformation. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, pleasing and perfect. It's like, it's not about do I have to do, do I have to stop doing this or else I'll go to hell? It's like, no, the more that you outwork the salvation, the more you're going to be enjoying the goodness of what God always meant for you. So it's like, by faith, I have been saved. By faith, I am in the process of being saved. And I want to know more and more of that. Again, Paul, you know, there's a whole lot in this, but when he writes the Corinthians, he's like, hey, you're called to this. People often, oh, am I called to be an engineer or a teacher or a doctor? No, no, you're called to be transformed. You're called to be made whole. You're called to be holy. You know, it's, it's not really probably that important where you work as how you work, that you're a trustworthy, reliable, uh, joyful presence in your work. It's even probably not that important who you marry is how you marry. Are you a kind, good, loving person? It's like, oh, that's my calling to let the salvation be outworked in my life. And, and going back to this passage, Ephesians 5, interesting, he said, there's fruit of the light. And then, and then he, he contrasts it as the other side is fruitless. So sometimes in the Bible, it talks about we can sow to do different paths and they both have consequences and we'll reap things. Other times it's like the Bible almost doesn't want to dignify the other side as fruitful. It says you can either express the fruit of your salvation or you can do fruitless things. And it's like, why would I keep wanting to do fruitless things? It's not so much between good fruit and bad fruit. It's between fruitful and perishing. And it's like, come on, by faith, I've been saved. Now, by faith, I want to bear the fruit of that because my life is going to be happier. My, my family is going to be more joyful if I'll bear the fruit of that salvation. And, and he finishes this whole passage just quickly. You know, it's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And then he says this, incredible finish. Everything that is illuminated becomes a light. It's not, it's like if you'll have the courage to bring those areas of brokenness and struggle into God's light, it's not even that he'll rem just remove them. He'll turn them into the testimony of your life. I was once a broken, lost person, but he gave me confidence and hope. I was once lost in shame, but he restored my dignity. I, I was once uh, trapped in this prison and he set me free. The very thing that ties you up, that's darkness, if you bring it into God's light, it will become the light that will become a message for others. I said this, it's like a three-wire bridge. By faith, I have been saved. By faith, I am being saved. By faith, I will be saved. In this passage, Paul doesn't deal so much with the third one because he's focused on the segue into living out who you are. But in another passage, Philippians 3, just to give the final balance of this, he does talk about this. You know, we eagerly await a saviour from heaven, the Lord Jesus. And, and when he comes, it just says this, he will transform our lowly bodies. 
Oh, I also need to hitch my faith to one day I'm going to be transformed into something glorious like Jesus. And because of that, John says this. It's like the first one, because I have been saved, I want to live that out in the process. John does the other thing. We, now we are children, but what we will be, we're not totally clear about yet, the future, but we know we're going to be like him. That's my future. I'm going to be like Jesus. So what do I do about that? Verse three, so all who have this hope in him purify themselves. It's like, because I am saved, I'm going to want to live that out. And because one day I'm going to be completely saved, I'm going to want to drag as much of that future into my life as I can. I want to live by faith in all three dimensions of salvation. Because before I'm going to live by faith as an instrument of his gospel and mission, I'm going to have to live by faith in taking hold of my salvation. I'm going to have to take hold of the fact, God, you say I'm now light. God, you say one day I'm going to be like you. You say right now you're taking me through a process of transformation. I'm going to hitch my, my faith to those facts and I'm going to let my feelings catch up with them. I want to invite you to think about living this year by faith, walking across a bridge. I have been saved. I will be saved. And I'm going to walk into my future of a process of transformation. I am being saved. I have been saved. I am being saved. I will be saved. I'm going to live by faith in those realities. I pray that this message by faith, that before even you think about changing your city and your nation, you would think about changing yourself by the message of salvation. By grace, we are saved by faith. God bless you. I pray you've been encouraged today by the message of being saved by faith.